Do your students struggle to struggle? If your students are anything like mine, the moment they hit a problem that's complex or they just don't know what to do, their hand shoots up in the air looking for me to help them. Or they just shut down and give less effort, which is the exact opposite of what we want them to do right? So starting Thursday, March 7th, I'm hosting a free Make Struggle Productive video series. The videos will be sent directly to your email and all you have to do is watch it and give the quick wins inside the video a try. Then you can interact with the Facebook group to share how it went. In these three video trainings, we will talk about how to encourage our students to build the life skill of struggling to learn. Then on Sunday, March 10th at 4 p.m. Central, we will meet live on Zoom for a workshop on the exact three steps that you can take to set up your math classroom for productive struggle. And they're surprisingly easy. If you'd like, you can join this video series all about building that important life skill of facing struggle as a mode for learning by visiting monamath.com slash challenge. I hope to see you there. This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use math discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging math discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. Let's talk about strategies today. Strategies are the way we reason about a problem to arrive at a solution. It's the way we problem solve. Sometimes our strategies are effective and get us a correct answer. Sometimes our strategies are effective and we make some calculation errors and we don't get the correct answer. Sometimes our strategies are efficient and sometimes they are not efficient. Whenever I talk with my students about strategies, those are the two main words we use, effective and efficient. So today, we're going to focus in on one type of strategy, a counting strategy. And I want you to be thinking about when is a counting strategy efficient and when is it not? And when is a counting strategy effective and when is it not? So what is a counting strategy? A counting strategy is when students count (laughs) to figure out the problem. So the way they count is going to be the focus of our conversation today. But before we dive in to this type of strategy, let's talk about how you know what a student's strategy is. It is difficult to know what goes on inside people's heads. Am I right? Sometimes if our students are good at representing their thinking on paper, we will see their strategy on their paper or in their manipulatives. However, they might be keeping all of their strategy inside of their head. 
And that's why you must get good at asking questions and most importantly, at listening. When you ask the right open-ended question, you can get your students to really share their strategy with you. And that is the goal. You want students to be able to describe what they're doing, their strategy for problem solving. So the goal is to use the grapple time, also known as productive struggle time. Use that time when your students are working to ask them questions about their strategy. When you ask students a question like, how's it going? Or tell me what you're up to. You keep it open-ended and you are asking students to describe their strategy. You want your student to describe what's in their head so you can listen closely and be curious to find out about their strategy. You'll want to stay neutral in your stance is how I like to say it. That's kind of how you approach your student, your body language, your facial expression, and your tone of voice. You'll want to avoid the urge to jump in and show them the right way of doing things, even if they're doing it all wrong. Instead, allow your student this luxury to have your undivided attention to describe their math thinking. Their math brilliant. Even if they're making a mistake or have a misconception, there is math brilliance in there. Even if that slice of brilliance is only that they are willing to take a risk and put it all out there. So use this as an opportunity to build their excitement and their skill of communication in their math ideas. Then you can always follow that up with a nudge or a question to get them back on the right track. But really use this time to focus on building up your students and understanding their strategy. Okay, so back to counting. We're going to talk about two ways students can count to solve. They can count all or they can count on. Students can count all. If the problem is 34 plus 89, they might represent the 34 and the 89 and then count it all up to add. This could mean that they use blocks or drawings to keep track of the 34 and the 89, and they count each individual block or dot that they draw on their paper. And then they start over at one once they have combined those two quantities. They count all to get the total. A different student or that same student a different day can count on. They might put 34 in their head this is called conserving a number. And then they would count up 89 more. A bit more efficient would be a student that conserves 89 in their head and counts up 34. The way they keep track of this might be with blocks, counting out 34 blocks on the table and then putting 89 in their head and counting up by ones as they move the blocks from the left to the right on their table. Now, base 10 understanding comes into play here. When counting all or counting up, students can employ their understanding of base 10 and start to count in groups. Let's consider the student who is counting by ones and making each quantity with manipulatives or drawings. And then once they had those quantities made, they started over again at one when they were combining the two quantities. If that student employed their base 10 understanding, they might say 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89. And they would count 
all the tens by tens and then start counting up by ones to form 89. That shows us a more efficient and a more effective strategy, right? Now, what about the student who was conserving 89 and counting up 34 more? That student might say something like 89 in my head. Now I can go 99, 109, 119, adding those three tens, and then switch to ones and count up by ones four times. Now you see, this is a much more complex strategy and requires more mathematical understanding. So when you're conferencing with students during that productive struggle time, or what I call grapple time, what should you be looking for? Here's four things I think you should look for. Number one, are students counting up? Are they holding one number in their head or are they starting from one number and moving on from that one, right? Number two, which number are they starting from? You'll want to notice which number they're starting from because is it the first number that appears in the problem or are they making a conscious choice to start at one number rather than the other? Number three, how are students counting up? Are they counting up by ones or by groups or by tens and ones? And then number four, how are students representing that strategy on paper? It is amazing to have these strategies to do this mental math. In fact, that's what we're striving for. Our students to be those students that are adding the tax and the tip when splitting a check with friends on the fly at the restaurant, right? With no calculators. But we're starting at this from kindergarten in first grade. So mental math may or may not play a factor here. But either way, we want our students to be able to represent their thinking, their strategy on paper. So why is this an important strategy? I want you to think for a minute the last time you used the count on strategy. This is a strategy that stays with us. So it is important for students to learn and understand this strategy, even if it isn't one that they choose for themselves. Being able to explain it and seeing how to use it is so important. Now, do I think you should stand in front of your class and talk your students through exactly how to use the counting on strategy? No, I firmly believe in exploration and explanation, which means students have a chance to explore and grapple with a worthy math task, and then they have time to explain their strategy and discuss the strategies of others. While you, the facilitator, ask important questions that guide students toward conjectures or math truths. I don't believe that students learn best when told what to do. When we do that kind of teaching, that here, let me show you, okay, here you go, now you try it kind of teaching, that just produces students who are following rules and mimicking math behaviors. That doesn't create mathematicians. So how can we support our students in the counting on strategy? You can ask questions that help students see how this strategy is effective. You can ask, why did you start at 89 instead of 34? How did you count that? Can you show us again and tell us why you did it that way? 
Or why did you choose to count up by tens here? What in the problem told you to start at 89? There is so much you could ask your students. But the goal here is to get your students explaining what they did and why they did it. That is what is essential to math reasoning. So I hope today you were able to see one strategy, one counting strategy kind of come to life. And I hope you're left with this idea that it's our job as the teacher to get curious about our students' strategies, something that they have locked inside of their brains. And unless we open up our classroom in ways that allow students to describe their thinking, And unless we get curious about what they really think, we might never know what those math strategies are that they're using. So I encourage you, after listening to today's podcast, go ask a student today, hey, can you tell me what you're up to? What are you thinking here? The more we understand what our students are doing inside of their head, the more we can support them with our questions and our instructional strategies. I appreciate you listening in to Honest Math Chat every week. It is such a joy to see the messages that you send me and the comments that you make on these episodes. I would love to continue to share these episodes with teachers all around the world. So if you know a math teacher who would like to spend 15 to 20 minutes listening to math podcasts every week, share this podcast with them. And also, would you go right now and leave a review? Just a few sentences about what you love about the podcast and how it's helped you in your classroom. If you do that, send me a screenshot of your review on Instagram at hellomonamath, and I will send you a free resource to use with your students. Reviews help spread the word on podcasts, so I would greatly appreciate your support with spreading the good math word.